<laughs> hey, everybody, welcome. This is podcast number Who Cares? And with me is. And with me is. Huh, someone's not there. Usually there's a background voice that goes, Yeah, hey, Philip, how are you? And uh, he's usually. That voice usually comes up at some point in these intervals and, you know, to sort of fill in the space where I say something and I can't remember what to say. And it's not there. How could this be possible? Well, to be honest, this Monday, which is a very cloudy Monday, September 1st. Ah! Jacob, he's gone. He's gone. Better don't touch. Shouldn't touch that. Hold on. And because he's gone, it's just going to be me. And uh, I guess this voice that isn't there with his little monotone, exp- you know, expression, isn't gonna be there. So I am here, totally unprepared, totally on my own. I'm not here to talk about myself. I'm not here to. Do- I'm just here to continue the podcast, or not podcast as we call it, until like it, an hour is over. And then you have your fill, and we didn't miss an episode, and it's still on Monday, and that's what I want to do. So the Monday thing has to keep going, and I'm hitting this arm on the chair, and I have to keep keep it up, because Jake's not here, because he he's out actually doing a test right now in university. Monsters University, we give a heart to you. We want you to be proud of us, whatever we may do. Wherever children are dreaming, we'll bring them nightmares too. So the thing about this song is, I talked about this before, but since Jacob's not here to interrupt me, like the rude little git that he is, I can just, just keep talking about this song from Monsters University. This movie came out in 2013. It's not that... Uh, amazing as I keep talking it is but it is a solid movie I have to say it's a solid movie I'd give it I don't know 7.5 out of 10 which is a very good score in my book my awesome movie reviews book where I review movies and it's all set in stone because I never change my review this is I was being sarcastic but I probably you probably didn't know I was being sarcastic so um Monsters University very decent film I liked it a lot I enjoyed it I have no idea why people wouldn't like it uh, I think, uh, I don't know if you could watch this before watching Monsters, Inc., which is the 2001 Pixar film, but, um, yeah, it's, it's good. It's got a good backstory, and, uh, I don't know if it has prequelitis or not, and prequelitis, as you know, is an epidemic that occurs in narration and storytelling, where, you're too dependent on referencing your old film to make any sense for someone who's watching this at the beginning, uh, you know, hasn't seen the actual original film first. And that is a huge problem because this prequelitis, you know, epidemic uh, is, is like a disease. It has to be controlled, contained, it has to be cured by good writing. So I don't know. But to me, it felt pretty good. It felt like it was all right. But I would still say watch Monsters Incorporated first because, you know, it's just how it should go, I think. So, yeah. Uh, So the lyrics uh, from the song is where all the students are singing uh, the Monsters University anthem, as I think so. 
uh, I when I listened to it in the movie, and it came out, you know, in 2013. That was last year in June. I thought that uh, the song should incorporate lots of uh, otherworldly sounds, but it wasn't. It was just a straight-on, normal choir singing "Monsters University." Monsters University. First in terror, first in fear. We're awfully glad we're here. Anyway, just when I just wanted to say that they should have put lots of roars and screeches and sounds because they're monsters. I mean, you had visual gags about monsters this whole time, and then they just missed the opportunity to just put a little bit of <laughs> and some other kinds of you know creatures yelling inside the choir. So it's never going to be a, a beautiful harm. So it's never going to be a beautiful harmony. I'm minimally editing. <laughs> I'm minimally going to edit this minimally. So you're going to see this weird, awkward sort of. This is. I'm. I'm telling you right now. This is by far going to be the best episode in the world that we've ever done because I don't have anybody to restrain me. I'm just sitting here alone, talking to myself, without any planning or anything. Monsters, you know. Yeah. Um, so did you guys know about, uh, 1940s, uh, radio? Well, that was not only in the 1940s, it was back when sound started and, you know, the radio frequencies were traveling across cables and throughout different places. And this was when, uh, radio, uh, became an actual, you know, social and prominent, uh, entertainment element for information in the 20th century, obviously. Uh, they had uh, radio shows, just like they do now, and I think the radio industry is kind of going downhill, in theory, uh, as I believe, because we're doing stuff like podcasts, right? Which everybody and their mother has. Not going to deny this. Um, I'm also not going to deny that... Uh, uh, actually, I am, because I this, is, this wasn't the intention. I didn't. We didn't want to do a podcast just for the sake of doing a podcast. Well, actually, we did. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just rambling. I think uh, the nature of our podcast was just to do something we could do weekly, and we could just share information and stories to people that we know, like our friends. And I'm glad we have friends listening to this, because I like communicating with all of you guys. You're great. And I'm just amazed that you really like listening to us. It's just very hum not not humbling. That's not the right word. <laughs> you can't use humbling. Humbling is negative response. Humbling is basically you thinking you're the greatest thing in the universe, and then up comes the greater thing, tears you down. That's humbling. Humbling is feeling humble. It of course, means that you're going to uh, bend down on one knee and be like, "Oh, I'm I'm not the best." That's exactly what it means. So saying humbling in that context that I was just about to use, is completely wrong. Anyway, back to 1940s uh, radio. Me and Jake found uh, a wonderful uh, archive of various different uh, full-day recordings of different times uh, radio stations played, and someone actually recorded this for posterity. And it was very interesting, and I really love that kind of stuff, and I'm so glad that we have things archived like this. So we were wa- we were watching, we were listening to uh, radio stations from the 1940s, and particularly one in one whole day, and I loved when the weather came in, it was 
you wouldn't ble- I wish we could find the link to this because I don't even remember where it was, but there's this guy and he was announcing this in his, you know, um, that made up, uh, that made up accent, what they used in the 1940s and 30s, 60s, a transatlantic accent, I think it's called, where it's just developed sort of made up accent. So people would be able to be heard better as far as I believe, and to be able to be understood within uh, various uh, wavelengths through the radio and frequencies. So you have to talk like this. That's why here we have... I don't know. Or is it mid-Atlantic accent? Something like this. I'm not reading any articles today. I'm not even doing anything. I'm going to sound like an idiot. But that's kind of probably what... uh, they're talking about so he was kind of like this oh tonight it's going to be pretty rainy in the west chesterfield area um better look for some storms try 30 percent chance precipitation there in uh westchester but hmm It'll be sunny the rest of the day at Chesterton, New Jersey. And then, of course, is somewhere else. We'll have uh, sunny days on the weekend. Perhaps uh, a nicer time the other day. That's kind of how he talked, pretty much. Lots of pauses. It really felt like it was someone's home, someone's audition to a an actual weather station that was horribly bad and it would have been on YouTube if it were made today and people would be laughing at it or it would be on Vine. Vine is an interesting uh, thing. I'm amazed that there's so many people who use Vine to record six-second videos, which is actually kind of good because it actually sort of encourages creativity on a very, very, very limited uh, focus. And so you really have to tell a joke in six seconds to make it, really good and so it has that punch and it's really good uh that people are exercising their creativity in that way there's many many funny vine videos but the thing is that that really surprises me is that there's so many excuse me there's so many people that actually use it uh and uh put videos on there and <laughs> most of them are are very creative i'm very impressed actually i can't uh but uh what always you know in my head Sometimes this thing comes in in the back of my head, and uh, that's where I start questioning. And this happens to most, if not all, things uh, that I always observe, such as this. Um, when things get too popular, and then we have to hear, like, I'm sure there's like plenty of thousand, thousand vines. Uh, about you know twerking or 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 munchkining or whatever it is that that's new these days, uh, you know, as a trendy trend. So I always wondered why the validity of such a thing because inherently it's not bad to be popular, but I guess it just depends on the context of where it came from. Um, see, this is me. Welcome. It's the Phil Dragish Trailing Show. Which is I'm trailing off into different things, and I'm not going together to form a whole contextualized argument with myself. I am just going off, rambling there, rambling there. 
Uh, I would have done some voices today, but, uh, you know, Jake's not here. He's busy. I was actually going to get Tim over here to talk to me alone within the private vicinity of the Batcave. That doesn't, that wasn't Batman, I, I know. Uh, but he was also kind of unavailable. Everybody's running around, so there was no one. So I just thought, let's just do one really awkward thing, and I was talking to you about that at the beginning. Yep, so I'll be this uh, 1940s weatherman, and I will have many awkward pauses, and I'll be alone. Uh, hey, it's already been 12 minutes. Isn't that great? Aren't you happy? All I want is to be happy. All I want is to be happy. Be happy. All I want is to be happy. Or was that all I wanted life is to be happy? All I wanted life is to be No, it wasn't. Um, so I probably could talk about my week, and I know that I messed up, uh, putting a conclusion on Vine videos or whatever it was with social constructs and, uh, media popularity and so and so on, but I don't remember really what to say. I don't have a conclusion. It's just that it's very strange based on the context of something that gets popular versus just being popular by itself. Uh, and, uh, with that in mind, it's hard for me to latch on to these things just because they're popular, because as a whole, that doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, it does actually help. It enhances uh, the value of something that I could probably potentially be interested in, but that is definitely not the main factor in um, getting uh, something to be you know, worthwhile for me. But it is a very big benefiting factor. It's kind of like marketing when it comes to movies and stuff like that, like Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre, uh, Beats by Dr. Dre is a brand of headphones that uh, totes many, many uh, millions and millions of dollars that they spent to show off uh, their product. Now, of course, it was uh, based on a celebrity endorsement, a permanent celebrity endorsement that the celebrity actually owns. This is the legendary uh, music producer and rapper, Dr. Dre, whom I've known about since uh, 1997-ish, because we had this wonderful encyclopedia software, which was called Encarta Encyclopedia, um, and it had it was an interactive Windows because owned by Microsoft. Uh, it was an interactive encyclopedia which had video clips and music clips and stuff like that. So we found Dr. Dre like that. Very nerdy. Uh, I know you're probably thinking I should have been living in the streets somewhere. I would have a friend who was black and would be like, yeah, and he would have known all these different rappers, lived a very tiring, you know, first 12 years of his life, and he would be teaching me the ropes, be living on the streets, earning money by beatboxing, and, well, not beatboxing, that wasn't that popular back then, but like, uh, you know, freestyle uh, rapping, and, yeah, never mind. (laughs) I was raised in the hood. Uh, Anyway, continue with Dr. Dre, uh, I still remember that one song, Seven Days a Week, and he's on gone to get the party people up off the wall. Um, Yeah, so that beats, but but now he's sort of reformed, and he's now a very rich businessman, which I always uh, found very curious about hip-hop subculture. I think that's what it's called. Uh, Subculture is a derivative, sort of like a something that branches off from a primary culture. So I'm not saying that it's uh, inferior in any way. It's just a smaller circle that bounces off from a higher, uh, not higher, but like sort of a, 
a bigger culture. So there's rap subculture, uh, I mean, hip-hop subculture, like the ones that are common in various hoods around uh, the North American area, uh, which is a very, a whole different uh, topic on its own, but I just wanted to touch on it to uh, ask about what the, you know, general, like, what is the goal for, you know, people raised in that sort of environment? Because to me, it feels like they want to boast about the greatness that is this subculture, which is, uh, well, right now, it's sort of like the gangster thing, which started in the 90s and the early 80s. And somewhat somewhere, yeah. And then it rap developed from there uh, to be a form of um, expression and a way to let loose all these sort of, you know, it's therapeutic. That's pretty much what most of, what most of, what music is, what poetry is, you know, art of the spoken word. So with uh, that sort of uh, gangsta mentality that we have now, uh, which sort of made different changes, because I remember in the early 2000s, it was all about, you know, like the very streetwise and sort of, you know, hard-hitting sort of uh, thug life, um, which uh, I would have to say is, you know, sort of like the underdog story, uh, which I think is a lot more appealing, uh, you know, and it's sort of, because it's cooler, you know, he's like, you know, you got with with the guns and, and the crime, the crime, raising the streets, than uh, the glossed up stuff that we have right now. Granted, I don't follow this at all, so I'm just probably speaking out of my butt uh, most of this time, but uh, hey, I'm just talking, I'm just rambling. So this is a very... Uh, very strange kind of episode. Well, with that in mind, how does, uh, I just, I was, I'm still not convinced, like, because it's very confusing for me. I was still wondering what the end goal is, because if they're talking about how horrible it is, uh, such as Coolio did in his uh, famous song, Amish pa- <laughs> Gangsta's Paradise, you know, it's all talking about uh, the seriousness of the situations and the living conditions of such a uh, community in these different parts of of America, let's just say. But there's definitely other places as well. Uh, but then at the on the opposite end, there's glorification of it as well. So I always wanted to know, was it a combination of the two? And if so, don't those two things cancel each other out? Wouldn't Isn't the whole point trying to find a better way to live and trying to find a better way to express these living conditions to raise awareness in uh, in an emotional sense, not in a, like a political sense or anything, but that could happen as well. Uh, on you know, just to make the world uh, and these sorts of uh, ailments uh, get doused or come to a close, or is it like, yeah, we're gonna shoot a bunch of people and this is it, yeah? You know, I don't understand. I never understood that. I it's very confusing to me. But I guess maybe that is the whole point. <laughs> maybe that's the reason you know, things like that do that. And I don't understand. Like, I seriously, like, or is it kind of like therapeutic, sort of like, but not the way that I said before, not in a good way, sort of like he has to talk to his uh, therapist about uh, about his problems. And so instead of doing that, you just make an album out of it, put some beats on there, and then you just uh, rap away. Parappa the rapper. Uh, so that always confused me, really, and it still does. Uh I'm not sure anybody has the answers, but if so, that would be very nice. Uh, because, you know, rap music, hip-hop, I like the beats, you know? I like... <laughs> I'm very gangster myself, sir. I like the beats very much. 
No, but I mean, it's like it's 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 a nice it 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 has its it has its qualities, and you know, rapping and doing the MC battles, we which we used to watch sometimes, which is fun. Uh, it 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 takes skill and very very calculated uh, brain power. And 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 it and it has and it has its value. It has its value on an emotional and a social and it's an important thing. I mean, what am I talking about? Here I am talking about rap. I'm done talking about this because it's hard talking by yourself, especially when you're talking out of your butt like I am. So let's move on to another topic. Let's see. Uh, I did something. Wait, we were talking about beats. That's what we were talking about this whole time. Okay, so Dr. Dre. So that's what I, I didn't understand. So now he's a businessman wearing a turtleneck. Not a turtleneck. No one wears those anymore. But I mean, like those, uh, you know, those, those, uh, those, the cash style, the cash uh, collared shirts. So he's wearing that stuff now and he's wearing, you know, he's putting his shirt under his pants, you know, with a belt and, you know, the pants aren't jeans or anything. So I never understood how you started off, you know, you started off doing the gangster thing and now you're sort of being a sort of, for lack of a better term, white businessman kind of uh, stereotype of the 21st century. So I don't understand how that sort of fits together in a way. So I, I thought the goal of being a rapper was, you know, counting down how many people you've killed and gotten away with it. I don't even know. I'm done. Um, anyway, point is Beats by Dre, they uh, advertise so much when it comes to their product, but their product is not an ideal product uh, based on uh, when you're just talking about actual audio quality because when you want Jacob can talk to you more about this because I am as again talking out of my choking out of Maria but yeah it's a product that uh, doesn't merit its popularity unfortunately I have to say not too great I have Sennheiser's Sennheiser HD 280s I think they are fantastic, and I bought them for a third of the price of a Dr. Dre Beats, and uh, it's perfectly flat, and it gives off some amazing sound. And I love the fact that every time I look at uh, making ofs and documentaries with uh, films and audio things, they most of them keep wearing the same headphones <laughs> I keep wearing, and then we always find uh, products that we buy for our own uh, use creatively. Uh, being used in professional areas as well. And I love seeing that because it's like, yes, we spent our money correctly. I'm an E-F-F-E-C-T. Smooth operator operating correctly. Yeah, I shouldn't have even started with the beats. I'm so sorry. Uh, This is what happens when you talk to yourself. You just kind of don't know what to say. There's other people who are perfect at talking to themselves. Uh, I am not one of them. But, you know, the show must go on. (laughs) And that's why we're doing some more stuff here. Uh, So let's just talk about how my week went. Well, since you guys are listening to me talk about what I am doing, and you guys listen to me talk about rap music for some reason, uh, I will talk about uh, other things now. So let's see. This week, what have I done since the Star Wars thing? Well, I started watching episode one, Star Wars episode one, and Star Wars episode one I didn't finish watching because I felt really bad that I wasn't watching it with Jacob. And Jacob's not here, so I'm not, I didn't finish watching it. 
Yeah. But it was interesting from what I saw at the beginning of the movie. It's very different from my experience with Star Wars when I was pretending I didn't know anything about Star Wars. So when I was watching The Phantom Menace, I was doing the same thing. And I noticed quite quickly which what the Red Letter Media... Blanket review... Um, found out and explained in their videos. Yeah. Pretty... What's all this about politics? And uh, that is one of the main things that I was like, hey, why are we talking about tax disputes and trades? So that's a little flavor for you for later when I actually be able get to watch Star Wars Episode One, which I'm going to watch on Blu-ray, actually. I don't own the Blu-ray because I think buying the 2011 Star Wars uh, collection is a very bad idea since it's using uh, masters uh, of the old uh, 2004 transfer and re-release that came out in 2004, which had lots of changes to it. No need, not very good, uh, not well compressed. And we're talking the original films here. The prequels have a better treatment because they were all digital to begin with, so there's no real... uh, optimal problems with those except that they were filmed on sony uh the sony hdwf 900 which were the cameras that they used to film the prequels on episode two and three um they they were the first of its kind of course and i'm very happy that george lucas took the risk to push the envelope for uh digital filmmaking by exclusively filming on these uh, Sony cameras. The only problem with that now, in retrospect, is that this was one of the first of its kind, and so I was able to check out some uh, the actual Blu-ray, which would definitely contain a, not too, a very close resemblance to the original master of uh, episodes 2 and 3. So I was looking at it, and I was finding that there was a lot of chromatic aberration, which is the effect that happens with the lens as it hits the sensor. Or is Jacob, or was it sensor? No, 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 Jacob told me to say sensor. Okay, sensor, because I have some pronunciation issues. And it, on the edges of many objects, uh, especially when it's not in the center of the lens, and it's out in the middle. See, my, my, my S's, I'm actually stressing them differently. This isn't how I naturally do it. But I'm always afraid to make S pops with the microphone. Stress the S's. Stress, it sounds like I have a lisp. It sounds like I have a lisp. Yes. uh, So the Sony Cine Alta, the the F900s, they, uh, I don't know, I think it's the the camera has the issue of the sensor that was, uh, is now obsolete because it's been around, uh, how many years? It's 2014 now? This was done 2001, 2000? Yeah, 14 years uh, now things have advanced a lot more, and these giant hulking cameras they used are just 1080. Uh, they were filmed in 1080p, native resolution, at 24 frames per second, and uh, there's a lot of chromatic aberration you can see, which are the edges that give off a little bit of green or purple edge, depending on the lens that you're using, but the, it's more or less the green and purple that you can always see on the edges of things, especially glares on metal and surface uh, light reflections like like that um uh, therefore it's too bad that those movies have such a treatment arrow permanently stuck in 1080p but uh, i watched them both in the theaters and i really didn't notice any difference between that and 35 millimeter film 
Uh, and I'm not saying that 35 millimeter film is uh, lower in resolution or the same resolution as 1080p, but it's enough that you don't notice. And that is fine with me. Technically speaking, of course, 35 millimeter has the potential for being more crisp and vivid and, you know, wholesome and uh, optical, as you will. But uh, things, uh, it's, it's nice to know that you really don't have to care about resolution all that much when it comes to traditional-looking theatrical presentations. Unless, because I haven't actually watched a 70mm print of any of the old Star Wars films, or any film in, in general, so I can't really you know, make different... Uh, I can't make comparisons because I haven't experienced that. But I've watched some IMAX films, and that's a whole different story because they use 70mm, but vertically, or uh, horizontally in this case where they fill up a huge picture on that strip of film. And that definitely has a higher resolution. They have better lenses and bigger lenses that have to accommodate such a high resolution. So, um, and I think that right now, no matter what anybody says, that there are digital cameras right now that are able to match the IMAX resolution as of now. Uh, If they're as optimal as the IMAX cameras, that has yet to be found out. But it's getting there. It's very close. We're almost done with this uh, film versus digital, and digital is already winning. Sorry, guys. Film is great. I love film. I love the quality of film. I love seeing film in the theater. It has this great magical quality. But I will say that digital can easily, easily emulate that and copy that sort of feeling. Yep. And it will happen. And everybody wins convenience and that great film feeling done i know there's other people who love projectionists and stuff that is such a it's a great it was a great occupation and it is still a great occupation and i hope film will not die in that case that it becomes a kind of archival sort of traditional uh sort of little hobby which it could dwindle down to and i definitely agree with everybody who says this because i love that stuff i don't hate it i just love that people are keeping it alive because it's it's great and film is awesome, and so is digital, but digital has more convenience, and there you go, in the grand scheme of things. The result, uh, the end result, is what makes it great. <laughs> uh, I don't even know what I'm talking about. See, this is the problem when I start talking. I don't really, re- I can't think ahead far enough to generate a good concluding remark, so I sort of trail off. Yeah. What was I talking about before I... <laughs> I don't even remember what I was talking about, but just what I did this week. I'm actually starting to sleep normally because little do you know that uh, this summer was pretty bad because it's summer and we're still on Tatooine, which is our um, word for a place we don't want to be in. We have to work hard to get out uh, so we can live normally in real life. And that's why our, heart- I heart- our high-tech studio is suffering. Because of it, our high tech studio is just not hot enough. It's been, it's, it's just not going. So whenever we are able to get out, when I'll be able to tell you, we'll have a higher tech studio. Um, things will be more turbulent. <laughs> no, things will be faster. Things will go faster, and I'll be able to do different things. But for now, all I can say is what I've done this week was I've watching videos, yeah, on YouTube, uh, and I've been sleeping. Uh, in the daytime. So I've been sleeping from 10 a.m. to... No, I went to bed at like 10 to 11 a.m. And then I woke up at uh, 7 p.m. Be Because it's just to get away from the heat because it gets pretty hot over here. And uh, 
since summer is over, yes, it's September, um, we will be able to relax a little bit. I will be able to relax a little bit more. The sun's going down faster. sun's staying down more often. Uh, the sun is cool. The sky is bluer. And it's just, it's getting great. I am going to enjoy it. It can't wait. It's going to be so nice. Fall is just such a good month. Um, it's just got it all. It's just great. It's better than spring because spring doesn't have any leaves until it's too late and it's hot and humid. Who wants that? But then again, it depends on the climate and the the closer you are to the to the equator. Equator. <laughs> I said Ecuador. <laughs> this is. I don't know if this was a good idea or a bad idea, but hey, it's already half an hour, so I've occupied someone's time. And there's another thing I I wanted to talk about. Okay, so y- y'all know Avengers, right? Y'all know Avengers. This is a great show. Uh, it's a great movie. Uh, it was really good when it came out in 2012, and uh, uh, it really benefited the Marvel Studios because when Marvel made those movies, uh, they tried to really put them together and then just put them all together so you can make Marvel's Avengers movies, just like comics, uh, so we can have Earth's greatest heroes uh, united in one force, one comic book page, or in this case, one movie, uh, and fighting each other. Not fighting each other, fighting an enemy. Now, uh, you know, the, I have a Tumblr account, and I use it just to show off my drawings. Um, but, uh, as a, so I don't really do what Tumblr is made for, which is like reblogging other people's stuff because I feel like people do that already. Uh, and I'd rather just show my own things. You know, if someone wants to reblog that, excellent. That's what they're there for. But, uh, for me to reblog someone else's things, very rarely do I do that because I feel like, um, if I do that, people won't know what stuff is mine and what stuff is theirs. Or what stuff is made by someone else, and also kind of it makes me feel bad because I always, if I reblog something, I'll be reblogging some really good looking, you know, painting, and then I'd feel so bad looking at mine in comparison and be like, oh, so much better. There's is so that's there's a reason, but uh, I follow people, and there's a couple of people that I do follow. Uh, most of them I won't go into Tumblr very much. I'd rather have someone else talk to talk to me about Tumblr with me about that because there's a lot to talk about because it's strange, strange, strange stuff. But uh, there's one thing that sort of like caught my eye just uh, a few hours ago and it's a picture of a bunch of uh, posters someone made. It's very nice looking, very like new wave sort of retro but in the future kind of 2D. Most of you probably saw it. Uh, I think it's featured on the official uh, giant pack for uh, the Marvel films for Phase 1. You know, it's a really expensive DVD pack with with notes and stuff like that, and it's cool. If not expensive. But uh, I was looking at it, and I was wondering what made someone just want to re- reblog this. Like, why? They're, they're not particularly a fan of, like, Marvel. I can understand dedicated fan pages on Tumblr. Tumblr fan pages reblogging stuff because they want to get all that stuff sort of together. But there's other people who just uh, just reblog things. I think that's how most of the Tumblr populace do it. And so they just reblog it so other people see it based on the reblogs. They're sort of generating, uh, you know, sort of like a exposure. Uh, and then it hit me. It really hit me looking at these pictures from, like, these nice nice retro drawings, uh, I'll link them. You know, there's one with Hulk smashing Loki. Beauty God. So that's how he sounded in the movie. He was like, Beauty God. 
It, it was it wasn't a very good delivery. Um, I think he could do a lot better, and I think it should have been just Lou Ferrigno doing the voice. At least just have him do this. Puny God. Or puny, puny God. I mean, Hulk. Hulk smash. Shouldn't he sound like that? But no, he doesn't. He sounds like... He sounds like the actor. What's his name? Ah, I forget his name. Oh no, 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 no. Well, Alfred Molina. No, that's Alfred Molina's Doc Ock. My goodness. He also was in a stage play of uh, Fiddler on the Roof. Um, no, no, no. And he was in that movie. Never mind, forget it. I can talk about all this stuff. I mean, what's his name? I don't want to. I don't want to type it in. I just don't. Ruffalo. There we go. I was thinking of Ruffles. So there we go. My my uh, Mark Ruffalo. He just went puny. God. That, that's how. That's how. That that was puny. That was puny. Anyway. That aside, I could talk about that too. There's some stuff that I wasn't very approving of of the Avengers, but all in all, it's a very good movie, and I recommend everybody watch it. I think we told about that. It's a great film. Thing about uh, this poster I was looking at, and I was thinking Avengers, right? I see them doing heroic things, like there's Hulk smashing Loki, which is great. There's Iron Man going... <laughs> there's Iron Man 2 with, you know, like... Okay, well, that's Iron Man 2, but I'm talking about Avengers. There's one huge poster that says, you know, it's supposed to be like a like a tourist poster, and it's like, I survived the Battle of New York. Awesome. I love that kind of stuff. I would definitely make this a poster if other people didn't make it a poster, and that would be great. And there's a little picture of Iron Man, and there's like the Stark Tower in New York for the from the movie. But what really caught my eye when, it, when I read that was I really think that the Avengers has a problem. And the problem is that they don't have a very good villain they're fighting. Loki isn't a good villain. He's hardly a villain. Um, but he's a very memorable villain and a very good character. I think you can argue that. But as a villain, as someone who's actually trying to go against these characters, not so much, I don't think. And I, and I think that uh, that sort of makes... Uh, I think that's what makes the girls like him so much. <laughs> um but uh, I digress. I wanted to say that uh, I survived the Battle of New York. That's the thing. The battle. I don't think we really, like, we really memorized, like, what happened in that battle. For all we knew, and I've seen this movie, like, four times, all I can remember is these bugs coming out of another dimension and just attacking, and there's hardly any suspense with this. They're just, they're just cannon fodder, so the, so the Avengers can just fight, and just, so we can just put the theme, bum, 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 ba-dum, bum, 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 and then we have to turn around. And it really felt like there wasn't much of a problem with the Avengers doing something. The only thing that was a problem was that portal up on the top of the tower where they had to, at the top of the tower, where they had to, uh, you know, seal up the, uh, the portal. Uh, otherwise, pshew! You know, they're just shooting. There was like no, there's like no tension. And I think that is one of, if not the biggest flaw in the Avengers film. And that's why when I see something like I Survived the Battle of New York poster, awesome, awesome. I would definitely make this or have this on my wall, but I can't because I know that the battle wasn't very memorable in the film. Um, and I also think that is one of the big problems I have with these newer Marvel movies sometimes is that the threat level isn't very threatening. Um, and it's more about the characters, which is, you know, it's a different uh, angle. But I feel like if you're going to do something exciting, I feel like I memorize uh, and recognize and remember a movie more with both. And that's a balance, you know, it's just a balance. And I think that's probably one of the big, that's what just 
caught my eye when I, when I was scrolling down in the Tumblr, and I saw that. So I wonder why people would even reblog that, because I couldn't do it, because I just felt it wasn't memorable enough. Or like the Avengers themselves. It was a great concept, great, well-executed, everything, etc., etc., etc. But um, I just feel like we need more weight when it comes to fighting with the bad guys, or like defending Earth without so many quips which granted the quips are great and i you know joss whedon he has his own style he does that and it's very good uh but uh i think we need a i hopefully age of ultron will be pretty good well, hopefully it'll, it'll remedy that but we'll see we'll see if there's gonna be another clinch up legolas <sighs> which you know it has its place but yeah no so that's just one thing i saw on tumblr so i've been uh sleeping fairly often and now I'm changing it. I'm changing it from sleeping in the day to sleeping at night. And hopefully being able to wake up early and go to bed early. Because I kind of like that. I had a schedule like that a while ago, and it was really good. It was really good. I liked it a lot. So I'm hoping to fix that and go back to that kind of a schedule or a schedule. Um, but, which is what I'm talking out of, I, within this week... Jake's just been studying and he's doing his final test. Hope he hope he succeeds. <laughs> hey. I've been uh watching I've been watching anything actually. Just random things. I think it's just like sort of like a like a hmm. Like a routine thing. Did you think that you've escaped from routine? Bikes changing the script. And the scene. So, uh, instruments. Uh, the cello is an interesting one. All the string instruments are. I love them. I love them to death. Actually, I love almost every instrument in the orchestra. I love the orchestra. I love orchestral music. I think it's just beautiful and symphonic. And it's like, if there's a way to define music and you have to put a picture it would be an orchestra, any kind of an orchestral instrument just put up there because that is, to me, that is the fundamental definition of music in its purest form because there's no other, there's no other, like, genre that you could use to explain music because this is, like, pure music. You just play the string section. You get, like, 40, 40 viola players back there and you tell them to play something that is, to me, those are notes in, played in the most pure form you can imagine. So the string section, see, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this thing again. The string section, uh, I was watching uh, some videos on different individual players on the London Symphonic Orchestra. No, that's... That's the LSO. I'm not talking no, that the yeah, London Symphonic area. I'm talking like Tim does. He in 2005 he went symphonic, and I'm not supposed to be saying symphonic. I'm supposed to be symphonic. Um, the London Symphonic Orchestra is the LSO, the famous one that usually does a lot of film recording, you know. But uh, there's the other one, the London. The London Philharmonic Orchestra. That's the other one. And then the LSO is the London Symphony Orchestra, not the London Symphonic Orchestra. What am I talking about? I'm going nuts today. I'm so sorry. Excuse me. The London the, the London Pan Historic. What am I talking about? The London <laughs> I forgot it again. Lon- 
London Philharmonic Orchestra. They have a whole video section on YouTube, like with the some players of different uh, instruments of the orchestra, and they'd explain how they got into it and what the whole uh, instrument does. And I think that's very interesting. And one guy said that the cello sounds the most like a human voice, and I was like, "That's so right!" Because every time I was humming things to myself. I always heard of it as like a cello, like I was trying to do Hero. That's a movie. That's a Chinese film. It's called Hero. It's directed by Zhang Yimou. And I hope I didn't say that name wrong. He's a prolific. Uh, he was like he does action movies, and I think he's more of a stuntman than he is a director. But in this case, he did Hero, and the movie came out in two thousand four in the United States. I think it's because of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and that's the funny thing because Tan Dun, who is the dir- who, director, who is the uh, composer for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Uh, which we all know, uh, the, you know, the theme song with Yo-Yo Ma, who did uh, cello solos because he's a he's a superstar. Um, which goes, you know, it goes. Hey, speaking of which, Crouching Tiger, interesting film. I wouldn't mind watching again. I haven't seen it a long, a longo time. Anyway, he did uh, the music for Hero, and it's almost the same thing, but it's like with a maybe a uh, a lower registered cello, and it goes. And it has a male choir, which is always cool. Uh, Hans Zimmer uses the male choir a little too often, but that's all right. That's all right. As long as we acknowledge the fact that he uses it way too often, and it would be nice if we, you know, let it go a little because uh, then most of the scores would sound the same. But it's okay. It's all right. Great composer. Hans Zimmer is like one of the biggest, uh, most proficient um, uh, music movers uh, in the industry. I mean, he really revolutionized a lot of aspects to film score composing, and indeed, uh, as a result, created a huge empire where he's able to get all the big jobs, even though he doesn't want them. It's beautiful. I wish I was... But he does a good job. He does an adequate job. Obviously, there's no uh, thinking that he doesn't do an adequate job. Uh, there's a reason why they he's still here, and all his scores definitely work on a subconscious level when you're watching the movie. It fits. It fits right in there, in the movie, in the mix, in the sound mix, and based on what you want to here there are many uh, there's sometimes where it actually doesn't work um huge part i remember in man of steel when uh he sort of like superman falls after the first flight and then there's this really really unnecessary cheesy piano music playing yeah hans zimmer's good composer good composer i wish he could just it would be nice to see him do new things and not sort of go back to his old uh, comfort zone, just get out there and do some some new stuff. That would be cool. And I think he would shine. But for now, most of his music has been, eh, you know, 
Eh, it's all right. It's all right. But it's, it's, it's okay. It's, it's cool. It's a great composer. I would definitely like to work with him at least once. And I, we could talk, and we would say things like, Hans, you stole my phone. See, this is the problem. I, I, I'm running out of things. But it's 43 minutes. We're almost there. We just got to make it to an hour, an hour something. Okay. Let's see. Uh, I was on Facebook the other time. I don't know what you guys think about Facebook, but I think it's a useful tool to communicate with uh, your friends, your your social circle. But not really your social circle. You don't want to make your own social circle. Like, you don't want to make a circle that's social. You want to make a socially... You just want to talk to friends, I think. you know. And I know there's some people who don't want to talk to their old friends, which is fine. But I, I kind of like talking to older friends as long as we have stuff to talk about. And, you know, it'd be great. Uh, which is what I do. Uh, on Facebook, uh, there's people who just want to be friends with me for no reason, and I usually ignore those friend requests. That's the problem now. You see, like, there's people who say, you know, this person wants to be your friend. I see we have no mutual friends, and even if we do have mutual friends, and I don't know who this is, I require, this is a, a requirement, everybody. If you want to be my friend on Facebook, you're going to have to write a letter to me and say, hey, could I be your friend? Because I saw this and that and this. I would love to be your friend. Well, And I would judge it based on how well it sounds and why you want to do this which is a good and important factor in this and then i'll say sure that's how it goes those are my rules rules of engagement um therefore i'm usually just friends with actual friends that i've met in real life on facebook thing is it gets a little annoying when there's different people and different opinions and different sort of things coming up most of the time it's getting very annoying with uh, spam let's just face it, it is. People linking articles that they think is amazing and usually they come from BuzzFeed or some kind of a giant uh, company like that that sort of, you know, wants you to click on their little pictures to see things, right? So they put you in different pages. <sighs> just, I don't like that stuff. And uh, the worst thing is when it's like, this person swam with a crocodile. What he did next will astound you. And then there's another one, and it's like, this three-year-old boy drew a picture for his grandmother. What his grandmother th said next will astound you. Hate it, hate it, hate it. It will blow your mind. No, it won't, because I'm not going to press it. That, that just gives you a signal. You know what I'm reading? I'm reading, don't click this because we're obnoxious. And I don't. I, that's why I read it. Lots of that. I don't like that, but I just keep it on because I like being annoyed, and then I can bring it on here and vent on it, you know, so you guys can listen to it. How great is that? But uh, what I wanted to come to in this point was that there are people, and I'm not going to name anybody, uh, that um, exhibit strange behaviors. I don't know if they know uh, about the conscious sort of etiquette that isn't known to everybody because there are no official rules for Facebook etiquette or, you know, like uh, social media etiquette. But uh, I would like to just maybe mention a few of them that I kind of got a little bothered with. And it's probably not their intention at all. Like, they don't even think about this. But when you're on there... Your only way of communication is by acknowledging something. For example, like the like feature, which I was not happy about when it first came out. But whatever. Now it's there. It's just a button you use to sort of, I, in my opinion, 
to acknowledge the fact that you've read it and you like and you agree, not necessarily agree, you just like the fact that it's there and it's contributing something. So that's sort of my stamp that's saying I can I I read this, I like it because I'm contributing and I'm delivering a communication to you that I agree or not like that I approve of your message and I welcome it being on here. And so when I press the like button, it sort of assures me that I can write something maybe that you wouldn't understand otherwise. For example, someone's like, someone made a stupid pun, but I like it anyway because I acknowledge the fact that I want this person to know that I acknowledge the fact that he wrote it and I appreciate that he wrote it. So I can write underneath, yeah, that was the stupidest pun in the world. And they will understand because I put a like up there so they know that I'm being sarcastic or I'm just sort of over, you know, just being funny. And uh, that's kind of how I use my like settings. Now, uh, I'm not going to name anybody, but, uh, you know, today, maybe because I didn't have enough sleep, I wanted to be nice to a family friend that we've known for a while. And uh, this person has children and uh, they happen to like Duck Dynasty. I I never watched it. I don't really care. But uh, this person's children, uh, one of them has a picture taken. One of their kids, like, uh, they went to some kind of Duck Dynasty I don't know, exhibition or whatever, and you could take a picture, and they were photoshopped that beard that one of the main characters, <laughs> or main people, I think his name is Phil, which is my name. He has a huge giant beard, Gandalf beard. And the sort of they sort of photoimpose it on this child. And uh, I, granted, I haven't talked to this family very often, uh, but uh, but I know them and they're nice people, naturally. Uh, so I want to be funny. And uh, I put a picture, because Facebook allows pictures on comments now, I put a picture of Gimli. And it looks like he's doing a little, like, excellent sort of gesture with his fingers, which is like this scene in Return of the King where he's like, certainty of death, slow chance of success. Slow chance? No chance. No. I don't know what he says. What are we waiting for? Right? That, that, that little movie line. So I put that on there. And uh, because I am prepared to know some etiquette so I could see if this, my post has been appreciated. And if I, if I see a like on it, I will know that they might have laughed. They might have looked at it and be like, huh, that's cute. You know, just something that brightens their, just an assurance that it's been, that, that, that it's been a nice, a nice gesture. You know, taking the time to look at the picture and saying, <laughs> and adding a joke to it because the similarity with the beard and everything with a child. I didn't. And then someone underneath writes, looks so great. Someone's a fan of Duck Dynasty. That one got a like. Now, this sounds incredibly superficial and incredibly selfish of me. Uh, and uh, you know what? It might be. Uh, and I apologize for that. But uh, I will say that... Uh, I don't care. I honestly don't. I think it's fine. Whatever they want to do, they don't have to, they can ignore it. And I'm not taking it seriously anyway. Uh, this is nothing I'm actually just, I'm really not talking about this that it's unfair or anything. No, it's fine. I. It's fine either way. I'm just saying, I would have liked, I don't know if they know this kind of etiquette on social media or anything, but, it, and if it's a mistake, that's most likely the case, if not is the case in this case. But uh, for me, for someone to just skip that picture, even if they don't know what character it is, but just seeing this the similarity and just me adding a bit of humor to it, eh, it just kind of makes me feel a little bit 
little, little, I don't know, just a little upset, but it's not really upset. I'm just minorly like sort of just goes in my head and I'm, I'm feeling like maybe I am a nuisance. Maybe I am a nuisance. Maybe I shouldn't be annoying to people and I shouldn't uh, interfere with their Facebook posts, even though this is the internet. And uh, if you're a friend and you obviously should be aware that these things are shown on all, if not on select, uh, on a select bunch of uh, your friends on Facebook and they will see it and they will have to have the right to comment because you accepted them as friends. So I don't understand this whole thing. People should be aware of these things because this is the future. And if you're going to use a certain device, please, you know, read the manual. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just, I might be complaining. I might sound like I'm selfish again. And I apologize for that. I really don't really think about this all the time, but I'm just spending my time just so I can articulate it for myself, just so I understand it myself. And it's just, you can probably just hear along. So there's no reason. It's fine. You know, you guys don't have to like anything I write. You don't have to do anything. I perfectly understand it. It's just like Frank Ireland, who I posted a picture about medieval times. I said, think of me when you eat your chicken. And what do you do? He ignored that part. So that means he doesn't care about it. Yes, I see who you are. You're a traitor to the crown. You're a traitor. Just because I haven't been in medieval times doesn't mean you can't think of me. <laughs> there you go. That's a great humorous example of <laughs> of the sort of social etiquette thing, which is fine. And it's it's look, he didn't he didn't like it. I don't care. It's fine. It's cool. He, he but he did like the 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 Frank. You did like the um. The other one, the one with me talking about the cable guy scene. So you like cable guy overthinking of me and my dying wishes, my dying Facebook wishes to just... Unbelievable. Anyway, there's another... Uh, no, it's okay, man. It's, it's fine. It's, it's... Okay, so there's another issue. Uh, there's people that I talked about, I think a few... A few minutes, no, <laughs> a few episodes ago, uh, where someone, you know, he's a Star Wars nerd, and, well, he claims to be, anyway. Um, I'm not going to name anybody here. I've been very, except for Frank Arland. Um, but uh, he, so he's like, goes to Disneyland, and I told you this before, they went on Star Tours, and he's like, what a classic ride. And I'm like, huh, well, it's not classic anymore, because they kind of changed it. They changed it to Star Tours 2, The Adventure Continues, or The Saga Continues. I think it's The Adventure, or The Journey Continues, because it's Star Tours, of course. Um, and he didn't reply to that. Uh, I, I don't understand. So as a family man, I keep trying, not me, I'm not the family man, the other person is. Uh, so... I sometimes see his pictures because we sort of interacted a little bit. Well, this is coming from my end more than his end. So I try to be friendly and nice and say jokes. And I thought people would welcome that sort of thing. And I love the people who do. I know there's a bunch of people who I have never met in real life that know me because of these audiobooks that I've done. And I'm so sorry to take this, take down this image of me as being this very benevolent and wise person who talks very solemnly and soberly, soberly and somberly um, to this sort of idiot on his podcast talking alone and I'm, i apologize to you uh but uh we actually talk very nicely on facebook and there's someone's picture i make a joke about it they put a little like on it or they reply to it it's a very friendly neighborly thing to do and then there's other people who i know who i know in person they don't even they ignore it and someone else that they know like as a relative or someone else that they have immediate contact with they sort of like it or reply to it. Did you guys ever have that kind of a problem? I don't know. Uh, this is a very, very minor thing, but it's just, 
it just makes me just kind of strange. And then there's other people who um, who put uh, like things that they remember, like share this if you remember this. And there was like this little Warner Brothers cartoon screenshot with Daffy Duck, and he's paired with uh, a character, a monster character, which is there are very many different monster cartoons in the Looney Tunes library of uh, shows episodes throughout the years and uh, there was just one and it was a screenshot it's real it's irrelevant but uh, it's like sure i remember this and i show this to my kids um it's true that that happened and it's true that people who uh, above a certain age will be like oh yeah in my time it was so much better and then they would always try to uh downplay the younger generation for Mm, see, I'm giving you the real-life pauses of me. These are my real-life pauses. For, you know, for them not knowing anything. But they do have a point, because, of course, the nature of reality is, uh, if at least human uh, psychology and uh, social mentality, is that uh, adults, uh, of course, have way more experience than us younglings. And that's who I am as well. And I acknowledge this, and I acknowledge that I don't have all the answers. Of course not. Like, obviously, you just listen to this podcast for 56 minutes. There's nothing in here. But I do not uh, appreciate uh, when some adults decide... And I, and I see this coming from a uh, Western mentality more than, like... Uh, like a, and Western, in specifically speaking, like, American mentality more than uh, other other adulthoods that I've experienced in other countries where, uh, there's some people like sort of, it's just, I don't like saying this, but like middle class ish sort of, uh, parents, uh, that sort of like, they're like, you know, we've experienced this. We know exactly how this works. So it's like, I remember this Warner brothers cartoon as a child. Yes, you do. But I, but you know, like someone like me who's interested in it, I would probably, you know, because it's entertainment, it's animation, it's, you know, that kind of artwork. So I would know more because I studied this stuff. But then there's people who sort of, they just say, look at my real life pauses. They say, yeah, sure you do. But I remember this when I was, so it's like, but, but they always think that they're right, you know, and I, I, you know, all the power to them if they want to think that way, which is great. You know, um, but I always like it when there's like a a nice uh, symbiology. What am I talking about? A nice synergy. No, a nice synergy. No, a nice uh, a nice melding of minds where both can learn about each other because we're all human beings, and which is something that I've noticed on Facebook as well. So that's why that's why I was mentioning this because I know there's people who are like sure if you remember this and it's like yeah I remember this but I I don't remember this because I wasn't born at this time but I do know what it's what it is, and uh, you know that's not met with uh, that's met with sort of like a snarky attitude where like huh, you weren't even born back then <laughs> it's like yeah okay things like like I remember uh, someone said uh, I asked way back in the 1990s what's Pac Man. And someone said, you wouldn't know, it's way before you. Thanks. So, I don't know if you guys uh, probably have felt that in some people that you probably know on Facebook. But hey, I just wanted to mention it because it's a very curious, curious thing to me. 
it's very fascinating, which is why I keep these things running on Facebook. So I just start, keep thinking about some other, you know, other social attitudes, social attitudes, just some other attitudes that uh, other people might have when brought into the internet world that they're usually not in. And even so, that uh, stick to one kind of worldview or mentality. No, not worldview, that's a difference. Uh, but that's one kind of sort of opera, modus operandi. And uh, and then and then try to like try to prove to other people that theirs is the de facto the greatest thing in the I don't know. This is just me talking. Hey look, it's ready an hour. And I hear someone coming back. Could it be? Could it be Jacob? Is he back? Ruggy? This was probably the best episode you guys ever heard on this podcast. Where I just ran. Phil Dreyer sits down in the toilet and goes, hmm, what should I talk about? Let's talk about people being mean on Facebook. Even though they're not being mean. It's just me just wondering and wondering how this affects me in the, on a different level. Just want to know if something like that. Yeah, I have a WaveBird. No, I, I wish I had a WaveBird controller. Maybe knows what a WaveBird controller is. It's a controller made by Nintendo. Nintendo. In uh, 19, 2001, I think, for the Nintendo GameCube. It's big and fairly larger than the original GameCube, uh, and it has no wires, no no cords, so you can play wireless on it, but that's old news because now every game has been wireless since generation, I don't know, from like the PS3, Xbox 360, and uh, Wii generation, which started in 2006, or 2005 as Xbox 360. Hmm. Yeah... So yeah, there was a girl who had a crush on me once, and she was like, so yeah, by looking into my eyes, which didn't exist because it was on Skype, and I, all I could see is the webcam. <laughs> Nothing came of that, by the way, just in case you're wondering. It's, it, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a, uh, a mutual feeling. It was okay, it was funny. It was a funny, it was a funny gesture. And it, remind, it remembers, every time I hear awkward pauses, I will always remember her going, So yeah, I can beatbox. <laughs> Sounds like French Prince of, French Prince, the French Prince of Bel-Air. Why didn't they make that? They made, why didn't make a spin-off of that? <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, one of the best beatboxers I know of is Beardy Man. He's got some great music, and I love this one track that he did for this album because he usually doesn't do albums because, as beatboxing goes, it's kind of like improv. It's kind of like what they do with those rap battles, except it's not rap, it's music. And uh, he just sort of makes up songs from the beginning, from the get go. It's pretty good. It's Beardy Man. And his album, I Done an Album, has the first ep- the first track which was and he said it was good and it was really good i like it i wish it was longer i'm I'm embarrassing myself i'm embarrassing myself but that's okay because you got a great hour of entertainment for this week this week of nothing and my voice my voice there's nothing wrong with you just with your voice is there a way for you to understand the possibilities of a thermal nuclear reactor to be breaking down before you wonder why? No.
No, of course not. There is no other way. I'm just trying to get this to go home to an hour at least. At least an hour. I hope you've enjoyed. First of September. That sounds like Mr. Burns. Mr. Burns? Yes. Let's go, shall we? Am I ranting again? I hope not. Um... I should talk about positive things. Let's talk about something positive. Let's talk about how social media can be used as a positive aspect. I remember someone was very, someone was feeling very upset, you know, someone's dealing with depression, and I made them a picture, and I drew a nice little drawing, and I said, don't feel bad, and they really liked it. So there was a really good, uh, see, you can do nice things. Uh, this sounds like I lied. I'm not lying. That was great. It's just hard for me to talk, uh, being very dramatic when it comes to positive things. That's just how I talk. And that is... Yes, yes, yes. But what about me? My, my. You give me so much at one time? Yes, I do. I may have bigger for you. But what about me? My, my. My my. I'll link that song at the end. You can listen to it on YouTube. Propeller heads, yeah. Bigger boy. Bigger. My mind. Oh.